Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show. How are you? I sincerely hope you're very well. I'm delighted to bring you this episode today. It's with Annabelle Rivkin and Emily McMeekin from The Middolt. And if you are in the market for just over an hour of conversation between three women who are on the same page about a lot of stuff, open to learning new things... Um, feel very strongly about topics like anxiety, about um, being empowered and actually not having to be perfect, then I think this might just be a great episode for you to tune into. Now, I know I say it every single week that we cover everything in this show, but by Jiminy, I honestly think that we do. I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed recording this show and one of the reasons that I was sitting down with Emily and Annabelle um, at the time that I did was because they have a book coming out called I'm Absolutely Fine, an absolutely brilliant read that I will obviously put the link to in the show notes which you will find on Apple Podcasts, Acast and wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this show. You'll also find all the social media links for Annabelle, Emily, The Middolt and obviously the link to The Middolt it is a brilliant, brilliant source of information, comfort and community. I definitely recommend that you go and look at it. It's got fun. It's also got some really serious stuff on there. There are some brilliant directories with like what happens during mediation, which, to be honest, is a great resource to have at your fingertips. So definitely worth having a little mooch around the middle website. But also this book is brilliant because you can dip in, you can dip out it's such a such an easy read, but it's not a linear one. And you'll hear me talk about this in the show because I've read the book and I talk about that with Emily and Annabelle. But I don't feel like I should rabbit on any longer. I feel as though we should get straight into this conversation. It really was a lot of fun. And I do believe that we have become lifelong friends from recording this show. So how wonderful is that? If you want to get in touch with me, if you listen to this episode and you think, I know, I'll drop Emma an email. Why not do it? I would love to hear from you. Email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. You can also slip into my DMs on social media. I am at Emma Guns on Twitter and Instagram. And there is, of course, that private Facebook group. The link to join is in the show notes. So just go ahead, click that link, ask to join, and I will approve you relatively quickly. I do try and do it, do a round of approval at least once a day. Um, here they are, Annabelle and Emily from the middle on The Emma Gunn Show. I feel like I want to do a spinal tap, like, <laughs> I feel really mad today. 
this bodes well. This is a better podcast when people are mad. Honestly, we love a bit of um, nonsense. Okay. So I am here with Annabelle Rifkin and Emily McMeekin from The Midult. Um, and it's exciting. Say hello, guys. Annabelle, you start so people can tell you guys apart if they don't already know your voices. Hi, I'm Annabelle. I'm the cross one. Hi, I'm Emily. <laughs> <laughs> and Emily's pure sunshine. <laughs> Apparently. You're brimstone. Yeah. Emily is oppressively happy. I'm not. I sometimes come to work and I say, I just want to warn you, Annabelle, I'm in a really good mood today. <laughs> I, oh gosh. See, I think I try to be you and fail daily. To be in a good mood. To be in a good to walk into a room and to bring sunshine to it. I just really, I don't know. Weirdly, a lot of it dates back to, and I've talked about this before, um, that uh, a friend of my dad's, when I was about 14, said to me, you know, Emily, when you don't smile, you look really plain. <gasps> that's a That's a terrible thing to and say. And she's been grinning ever since. So I, I sort of feel like my smile starts just out of, and then it just the whole of it, <laughs> I've just programmed my brain to just be perky. Like, perk is good. So I don't know if I... But wanna, maybe part of that is faking it to make it, because I think you are genuinely happy. So maybe you started grinning through self-loathing and yeah. ended up having quite a nice day. Yes, I can see that it makes... And I also, again, I'm such a people pleaser as well. Mm. I really do enjoy bringing a bit of sunshine to people's lives god that makes me sound like a i'm not like mother Teresa or anything <laughs> she almost up. is she's a very very nice person there's a big difference between sunshine and much needed medical supplies though <laughs> that's also true exactly and raising awareness for yes um no i just like to smile at people and make people feel good and it makes me feel good mm. and uh sometimes that goes wrong and my therapist has put me under strict instructions not to volunteer for anything anymore because oh. someone says would you dress up as a bunny and, and uh, come to this 10K and clipboard people in on Saturday morning? Oh, yeah, of course I will. So I've got to stop that now. So now I go, my therapist says I shouldn't volunteer <laughs> for things. And people go, walk back slowly. And, uh, and, uh, and, and it's actually incredibly effective if anybody wants a good excuse. But actually, it's quite a nice balance between us because, mm. you know, it's kind of good cop, bad cop. And mm. I can be quite grim and Emily is very chirpy. But... I've probably got the softer centre in a funny way. I was about to ask you. I was about to ask you that. Yeah. I can t- I completely get that. I'm just so bruisable. Mm. Um, and so it's slightly Operation Human Shield. I'll hide behind um, I'm stealing the happiness. That. I'm stealing that. Yeah. My brother once, um, and I've told this story before on the podcast, so I'll keep it tight. We were meeting up and he saw me and he said, part of me didn't want to come over because you had your Force 10-bit shield up. <laughs> And I'm your brother, and I, even I didn't want to come and say hello, and we had arranged to meet. My therapist calls it transmitting interference. <gasps> I like that Because I'm much. obscuring what's actually going on. So if I'm particularly cross, it's usually because I'm particularly frightened. Yes. I, I know that instinctively. I mean, Annabelle and I have worked together for 15 years. So if I come in, that's why I warn her about the good mood for a start. Um, and sometimes I go, I think I want to hug you. <laughs> Is that okay? And she's like, I can tell whether she's transmitting interference or she would actually quite like a yeah, hug. Emily will say, um, I'd like to hug you. How do you feel about that? And sometimes I'll say, <laughs> okay, and go limp, like a sort of sad donkey. And sometimes I'll say, not, not this morning. That's that- so interesting. <laughs> that is. We are completely codependent, actually. But um, 
Yes, and so I think that that's the brilliant thing about working with someone that you've worked with mm. for so long and setting up a business together with someone that you work with so long. Because I know her her moods, and I also know nothing is personal. But it's like it's it's now got so personal mm-hmm. that you don't take anything personally. Right. So it's breached the fourth wall. With trust, actually, yeah. it's complete yeah. trust. How d- curious about this because I've had emails from women who have um, started businesses with friends, and they say that they feel like they're struggling with the feeling equal in the relationship. Do you guys feel equal? I think we both have an idea of what we bring to the party. Mm. And we both value the other's contribution almost above our own. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't I don't think so really. We pass the baton back and forth because it also depends. There's, you know, there's so much, you know, in the rush hour of life. I love there's that. so much background that you bring is that if one day one of you is feeling very depleted, mm. then the other one will pick up the slack. Yeah. Um, so I think that we're pretty well what do you think well I think two things I think one setting up businesses with friends as opposed to setting up businesses with people that you've worked with before is really mm. a, a big distinction I mean Annabelle and I were work friends first before we became friends and then became business partners so we knew what the other person does and how they operate day to day and I think that's incredibly helpful because you can be friends with people really brilliant friends with people but working but you with might them, not actually know how they cope when the chips are down, when they're tired, Ooh. you know, you might not know what they do in order to be able to cope. And sometimes that's not that pretty. Mm. But if you've seen it day after day and you've clung to each other's desks like life rafts, mm. rafts as you've sat in an office, then it, it, it may mean more than it, do, more than it seems to or less. Yeah, and I think the other thing is that um, we, because we made a big decision as, as setting up a business you know, run by women, that everything is okay. Mm-hmm. All the shit you need to do, whether it's go to a therapist, get your roots done, or you need to go and have a nap because you're exhausted, or whatever it Emergency is. Emergency root canal, you know, physiotherapy on your twisted ankle. Yeah. I mean, any of these things that have come up in the last practically week <laughs> alone. Yeah. And it's okay. You know, we don't say to each other, well, you know, I've really got to get, we've got to get this done. We just say, yeah, well, do what you mm-hmm. need to do. And I think because, like Annabelle said at the beginning, it's trust. It's trust. Yeah. We trust each other to do to bring everything that we can or when we can to the table. I definitely, and this might sound a bit overdramatic, but I think I have PTSD from having strict bosses who were like, no, 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 I need, you said that you'd be in by 10. Like if I said, I've got to go to the doctors and then there's a, and then there's a waiting room full of people and you're ending up late and then you start getting the text. I definitely, and I've been working for myself for six years and I still get like a slight stress response when something like that happens. I, to- I totally agree. And actually, you know, when we first started and we said, you know, it was a bit tentative, those those kind of, I think I need to go and do this or whatever. Yeah, um, in case the other one went, but that's not okay. Mm. I mean, what do you think we're trying to do here? That's not good enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, you're setting up, you know, these are high stakes. And so, um, but actually it is okay. And of course, as, as a result, it, it, the whole of the environment is so much happier. Mm. And I think that we would continue to do that once we're, you know, Because also Emily and I are both all carrot, no stick. So if if someone says to me, you know, if someone if I want to leave a party, um, my best friend does this. And if someone says, well, I mean, I think that's rude. I really don't know why you're leaving so early. Um, you know, the birthday cake hasn't come out yet. You know, it may it may be I'm leaving early because I've been awake since three a.m. because I've got fucking appalling insomnia. Mm-hmm. But if they say that, I'm out the door within seconds. Mm-hmm. If they turn around and go, oh, but it just wouldn't be the same without you. Please stay because mm-hmm. I really love you. I go, oh, of course I will. Yeah. And and we're both like that. So, you know, a telling off is not going to do anything good mm. for me or for my productivity. 
Oh yeah, it puts my back up massively. Puts my back up. And those structures, those structures, those that presenteeism, all of the things that are happening in businesses all the time for people is, I think, incredibly just sort of reductive for creativity. I think lots of people are just sitting there, mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. on Facebook, hoping that it's going to get to five or six or whatever. And actually, you get a lot more out of people when you say to them, "Do it when you're going to do it. Do it well. I know you can do it well. All of that stuff, mm-hmm. rather than just saying, you know, um, these are your hours." This is how we. This is what we expect. I've seen that firsthand this year, and it was really puzzling. Like a, a, what on the outside looked like a creative environment, then you get in and nothing's getting done. Yeah. But there's lots of team building and there's lots of meetings. But strategizing around strategy. And then every every week you go to the same meeting at the same time, and everyone sort of says the same things and congratulates each other for agree that we all agree. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you're like, what? Anyway, um, you mentioned then about coping mechanisms not being pretty. What what would you say your yours are, you guys? <laughs> and then then we will get on to the very exciting news about the book. Coping mechanisms. Um, well, I think that I know that when I'm really in a bad way, um, I just go swimming, and that helps me cope. Um, but that's fine. Uh, I don't know. Interesting, Annabelle. I have yet to identify, apart from alcohol, medication, um, I mean, exercise does help. Mm. I mean, I feel like an arsehole for saying it. (laughs) And until I was about 35, if someone had said that to me, I mean, I'd never run for a bus. Mm. And then I had a really bad breakup and completely disintegrated and kind of got addicted. And you know what they say? They say it takes three months. And I remember I dragged myself to the gym every day and I loathed it. And on the 90th morning, I woke up and I thought, oh, this is just what I do now. Um, and um, yeah so it you know it just does help with the I'm not sure it helps I'm not sure it makes you happier but I think it makes you less likely to actually collapse in on yourself you may not end up dancing for joy I mean I'm Mm -hmm. I'm never frankly dancing for joy (laughs) but it might put off a real um, a proper kind of crumble a proper disintegration also I think it's a moment for myself and I think you know as you said, the rush hour of life, there are very few moments that I have myself, apart from when I go to the loo, which is all the time. But um, <laughs> She has a bladder the size of a lentil. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I know when you said this is gonna be an hour, I was like, oh, shit, I don't know if I'm gonna make it. <laughs> you are, you are, I'll give you a hall pass. Annabelle will fill in. Please miss. Um, I just put my hand up. Um, and uh, But yes, a moment, is, I've just taken that moment for myself, the swimming. Mm. And even if it's just 20 minutes in a pool, like a dunking, mm. it does reset. But You've both touched on something very interesting and the gym, swimming, it's doing something for you. That's what I think it is. I definitely, um, looking through through the life that I've already lived through the lens of, I don't think I had that many coping mechanisms. So all I had was brimstone, mm. just a hard shell. Just the rage. The, yeah. the rage and the anger and the mm. resentment. Um, and something like the gym, I have to do. And on mornings when I don't feel physically able to do it, I have to. I, I get myself out of bed and I go and do something easy, which is cycling, because you're sitting down. <laughs> and I do that for half an hour because I need, because I think if I can't do it physically today because I'm physically tired, I'll give myself a pass, but I have to do it for my brain. Do you know what helps me, actually, because I've got a very busy brain and it's very, it, it, it moves too fast. And this sounds, you know, it sounds very good housekeeping and that depresses me, but <laughs> cooking. 
And I tell you why, and not cooking as in, I've now got a dinner party for eight and I'm gonna make a souffle, because that's just pressure. I just mean maybe I'd be made, I'd make a chili or something, because it's the pootling around the kitchen, mm. thinking, oh, I've just dropped a bit of onion. Mm. Oh, where's the sea salt? You know, with the radio on, that lets my brain wander in a way that it doesn't mm. um, for the rest of the day. Because even when I'm exercising, I mean, while I'm sort of, you know, physically pounding away on the cross trainer or whatever that mm -hmm. absorbs the impact <laughs> on the dodgy ankle, my brain can still, you know, think. Whereas mm. if I'm having to slightly, you know, chop something or, or stir something, it just lowers the intensity that's happening, you know, between my ears. It's methodical, isn't it? And exactly. I, I, that's why I'm excellent at putting together IKEA furniture, I think because it opens up a channel in my brain that I don't use very often, which is slow, this, then that, A, B, C, linear, time, exactly. Right? So, yeah. Oh, both those things just make me feel completely stressed out immediately. Genuinely just feel as though I had a breakthrough. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. Honestly, this happens to us all the time because everything about the middle and everything that we do is about conversations that we have mm -hmm. with ourselves, with people, with our friends, and, um, and exactly, and we go, we got to the point where we just unpack everything yes. between each other and that is just fantastic because actually it is like therapy daily therapy so then you yes you, you have a revelation and then you immediately forget it <laughs> <laughs> no I don't think I'll forget that one quick write it down no I, I, I've recorded it <laughs> such a luddite <laughs> but we are here to talk about I'm absolutely fine which is the first book it is from the middle and it's a manual for imperfect women and um I sat down to read this in a linear fashion and then I was just telling uh, Annabelle and Emily listeners that I quickly realised it was a dip in an outable and it's not a, a book, it's like a Mary Poppins handbag and you open up a page and you reach in and you have no idea how far down it's going to go but there's going to be something incredibly useful that you will pull out of it. Um, <laughs> you can I use love that. that description. Yes, we're going to use that. I think we, we, you know, it's sort of all the colours of our rainbow and we put it down and then we, we thought, well, how are people going to use this book? And then we thought, well, they're going to use this book however the fuck they want to use this mm. book because they've had enough people telling them what to do in their lives. Mm -hmm. So we'll just, you know, put it out there. And I guess the architecture of it is a bit like a cookbook in that um, it has, you know, quite lyrical, often quite sort of pain-filled, um, you know, essay introductions. Then you go into these short, sharp, yep. mad little sequences and dialogues and, and, and listicles, and listicles. Uh, which is great, all of that kind of thing. But, but really, we just thought, you know, people can do whatever they want mm. with it. We'll just put it on the table. I think because when I when it landed on my desk, I thought, oh, I'm going to have this is going to be like self help chapter by chapter, and by the end, all the component part, all the component chapters will result in a better me. And it, it really isn't that. And it made it me really like. Doesn't. <laughs> no, what we say is this is not a self help book, and yet we hope it helps. Yes, and I love that because the background to it, you know, you know, we've had, you know, there's there's quite a lot of therapy and quite a lot of kind of recovery between us. But what we wanted to do was reskin it so there wasn't that very triggering quite irritating language so you know in this the chapter on body image is called does this straight jacket make me look fat mm -hmm. or the chapter on anxiety is called where the wild thoughts are or the chapter on sex I think it's called what could possibly go wrong <laughs> because otherwise it all just gets a bit worthy and a mm -hmm. bit oppressive and um, and when I read that sort of stuff um, it makes me feel rebellious yes so we just wanted to you know go with the flow and also we're just writing what we know yeah so I'm I mean, Annabelle has a brilliant anecdote 
about uh, how some of the mid-alt started. Oh yeah, so I'm not sure it's brilliant, but it is true. Um, is this the dinner party? It is the Okay, so party. I went to dinner, and it was during my summer of anxiety. One of my summers of anxiety. I'd completely stopped sleeping. And oh, we, we'll, I'll put a pin in that. Yeah. yeah. And, um, <clears throat> and I was really losing my shit, mm. quietly and privately. But I went to dinner, and it was just women, and it was quite successful, glamorous women with big media jobs, and like really quite flashy, splashy, much more than me. And someone said, how are you? And I forgot that I was meant to say, I'm absolutely fine. <laughs> and I said, I'm so anxious that I can't sleep. I'm absolutely terrified. And I think about death all the time, or something, mm -hmm. some iteration of that. And they all started talking at once, and one started saying, oh God, I don't want to have sex with my husband, but I really love him. Another one was saying, I think I'm going to die on the streets, a bag lady. Another one was saying, I've been on this medication. And I thought, oh, okay, so this is interesting. Anxiety is the glue that binds us together, and we're mm. all coming out about that and the idea of being imperfect and and really and really talking about that now because shame can't survive being spoken, and mm. we've all carried a lot around for a long time. And we thought, okay, so this is about grown-up women. Maybe the thing about being grown-up women is that it sits in the Venn diagram where anxiety meets potential, mm -hmm. because you know there are still you know we can press reset, we can make different choices, but it's just the stakes are a bit higher than when you're you know, yeah. a student and you don't have a mortgage and you don't have a job and you don't have, you know, various responsibilities. So we just wrote it all down. All the terrible, brilliant, painful, humiliating, shameful, funny, ridiculous secrets or things that we've been carrying around for forever. We basically just rifled around in our emotional knicker drawers. <laughs> and what was quite fun though was was we suddenly realised, because people started shouting to us in the street, how do you know what's going on in my head? Was that we were sort of... Um, because none of our stuff has our name on it. it doesn't it? Doesn't say it's by Annabelle or it's mm. by Emily. So we were looking at like the collective personal. Mm -hmm. It was very, very personal, but it kind of belonged to all of us. And because we didn't have to put our name on it, mm. it didn't feel quite so scary to say, "This is what happened to me," or you know, "These are all the men I've slept with," or <laughs> you know, until now. Yeah. This is the thing. Um, when I started this podcast, I sort of danced around a few of the things that I've gone through, one of them being anxiety, really crippling anxiety. How did yours manifest, your anxiety? Because oh, um, Slowly, but with um, with stealth, but hot, and then it sort of all came to a head. That's a good question. Um, it started with being nervous about going outside. Really? What, just suddenly like that? No, sort of just... So not necessarily to like a party, but just leaving the house? Yeah. Right. So it would start with, um, if, I, if I did go outside feeling like I was missing a layer of skin, feeling very, very on edge. And so limiting, like thinking, oh, I won't go to that launch in town. Or, or if I did think about it, it would do that thing in a movie, you know, where you look down a corridor and the corridor suddenly becomes like a million miles long. It would feel like the just getting out of my house, just getting to the station to get on the train would be... Yeah, because anxiety is a great isolator. Yes. You know, in whatever form it comes in, it will, you know, it, it, it makes you alone, doesn't it? Well, and RuPaul says this, and I was listening to the RuPaul podcast, and it was when it kind of, it was one of the things that snapped me out of it. And RuPaul says we all have an internal saboteur, and that internal saboteur's objective is to get you alone and kill you. Mm. And it was listening to that when I was like, oh, I'm letting it win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, when I, when I go through periods of anxiety, which I have done... Um, lots it's really in sort of decade type so when I left university when I left university um, when I turned 30 mm. when I just before I turned 40 interestingly it kind of it, those things hit and um, it starts off with little things like I for, I worry that I haven't locked the door mm -hmm. and so I go back yeah um, and then when it's really bad I'm like 
halfway to the station and then I'm going mm-hmm. back to check. And um, so, and I can see those tiny little things start. And mm-hmm. then because we're so, you know, I don't want to keep saying busy because it, uh, actually, but because we're so distracted, mm-hmm. you kind of think, oh, well, of course, that's just my anxiety or whatever. And then, you know, mine just, mine, w- when it has hit, accelerates hugely mm. and I end up hearing voices that are telling me I'm a terrible person and that they're going to come and take me to hell and I just sort of have to hold on to the sides and hope that it and you know let it's it like turbulence basically yeah exactly like turbulence like inner emotional turbulence except for I've managed to um, bring these voices to life mm. these kind of demons um, and uh, and the only thing that the only things that stop that have been talking therapy mm-hmm. and Shall I say swimming again? Say it um, again. Swimming and eating properly. Um, by that I mean three square meals a day. Um, and because I have a tendency to to try and control tiny little things when I'm feeling out of control. Mm-hmm. And one of them is food. And I think that's, you know. It, it okay, does, let's be honest. You wouldn't know this from looking at her, but Emily has to eat all day. She says square <laughs> meals, but she needs to eat all day. Are quite a lot of biscuits, well, quite a lot of chocolate. <laughs> All day. I mean, look at her. She's absolutely slender as mm. you like. So it's not three square meals, Emily. It's all day. Okay. I have to eat all day. <laughs> You're a grazer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But if I don't, but you know, if I don't, if I don't look, basically it's, if I don't look after myself, then, 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 you know, my anxiety is always there waiting yeah. to kind of, ex- exactly, smash the place up. I do feel like it's an early, I do feel as though it's an internal like the, like a cockpit in a plane I think it's if those alarms are going off it's because something's not right and you have to take a step back and engineer it and fix it that's how I look at it and I think I operated on anxiety my entire life and actually the best thing that happened was when I booked a holiday with friends via a whatsapp group online booked the rental car online booked the airbnb online and then got to the airport and was like oh I have to actually do this but talking about a holiday, talking about with my friends, and then that was a holiday when I basically was like, yes, I need help. Mm. Because as soon as I was away, it was, couldn't even go to the supermarket, and now I was suddenly away. Oh, I see, I see, you booked it without thinking about it at the time when you were yeah. unable to leave the house. Because I like to talk the talk, because I'm like, I isolate myself, but I can do it very socially. I can be like, blah, 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 social butterfly on WhatsApp. So it was like, yeah, this is going to be great. And yes, I, your virtual presence. I don't know what people say about it. They say, you know, because I isolate and I end up thinking about death quite a lot and it gets mm. very bleak and it gets very scary because every time I come up with a solution for myself, I have a more powerful reason why that is not going to work. Right. And um, and I, I can't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, because it was a big thing. You'll come back to it. Oh, it'll it's come fine. back to me. But I think anxiety is very interesting and I think you're right. Um, there's no shame if it's out there. And oh, I know what I was going to say. Go ahead. So people say, if you're feeling anxious, tell someone, talk to people. Mm-hmm. And my thing was always, what am I supposed to say? I am incredibly frightened. Mm. I, I'm, I, you know, I'm not. I wouldn't, you know, in a way, I wouldn't want to impose on someone to call and say, "Hi, mm. it's me. I'm just going to tell you, I'm really frightened." Oh, what are they going to say to that? Mm. So you know, it really it isolated me to the point where, and also the, the no sleeping. Oh, me and insomnia are good yeah. friends. Yeah, but pals. I woke up at one, three, four, five, seven. <laughs> prime insomnia, although four is not a prime number. But anyway, yes. <laughs> but we should make that a thing. Yes, exactly. Prime <laughs> but the other thing about anxiety is it's fucking funny. 
So we had yes. that in the book. You know, the whole book is about all the little things you worry about and all the little things that flash through your anxious, hyper-alert brain. Mm-hmm. And the other thing about anxious people is they're amazing because they're very empathetic, they're always prepared, mm-hmm. they think ahead. Um, and so the book really isn't, you know, it really isn't a sort of terrible, um, you know, sort of depressing... Um, no, for example, we there's a long bit about all the things we think about during sex basically like have I put Passata on the Ricardo <laughs> list shit focus on what you're doing stop thinking about about all the other things that you're doing but it's true you know to try and kind of to compartment compart I can't even say it compartmentalize thank mm. you the brain to focus on what you're doing in the moment is oh what's it, the moment oh I know I, this is the thing about be present live in the moment but if if I'm not thinking about later then something will unravel <laughs> The fact Com- complete control yeah <laughs> so I, do, I I find the whole living in the moment thing really I kind of understand the thing of like go for it or buy those shoes or whatever but to me as well those are also irresponsible yes. things to do <laughs> if you agree. haven't thought ahead have I got the money for it yeah you can't Listen, fly by the seat we, we should clearly all be meditating um, we're trying you might be sometimes once a year it's true I pretend meditate. I'm sure that's the thing. <laughs> Pretenditation. I have many, many apps on my phone. Many meditation apps. Do you sit and think about not thinking? No, I sit and think about the fact that I've got all these meditation apps on my phone <laughs> and what I should do with them. Also, the moment thing. You're like, is this the moment? Are we in? The, are we in the moment? Or are we thinking? Ahead? What? I find it very confusing. And self-help books. To go back to what we were talking about earlier is, I have read a lot, and um, our. Out, your good friend and mine, Nadine Baggett, sort of raises her eyebrow at me, and I know that if I ever say anything that sounds a little bit too self-help booky, she gives me that. Can look. I recommend something? Of course. Um, you rather, say, cut Nadine out. Rather, right no, no. Rather than rather <laughs> no, than self-help Nadine. books, but um, I would recommend the Brenny Brown TED Talks. Love a TED Talk because Brenny Brown talks about shame and she talks about vulnerability and how difficult it is. And I, I, I would add, particularly as a modern woman. Mm to be vulnerable but beautiful things happen in vulnerable places that's Mm. where things grow right Mm. Um, when you're slightly out of your comfort zone and and rather than reading and being so tired that you have to read the same page 95 times and also the thing about those self-help books is that I think the language can be very very annoying yes either it's too academic or it's incredibly cheesy you know even when you get someone like Pia Melody who is you know the the, the idea is brilliant but the Mm. language is intolerable Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'd say watch some Brenny Brown I love a TED talk, mm, and that it. I think generationally as well. You talk about the middle is very technically, and it's twenty minutes, and you're there yeah. with a really interesting idea that you could then pursue in your own head if mm. you wanted to, um, rather than um, you know I'm not sure our concentration spans or our timetables are made for self help books right now. I 100% agree with you. That's why I like this book because I don't have to. This book being our book, I'm absolutely fine. I'm absolutely fine. A manual for imperfect women. Um, Just to I be was, clear, I was about to read the rest of the tagline, but then it's this is an uncorrected proof and it's not for sale. <laughs> So I shan't read that, although I just did. The idea behind the book really is if we're, you know, is if we're not in it together, then we're not in it at all. And I think that is what, again, coming back to the point about my brilliant listeners, is that when I started being honest about the things that I was going through, the emails that came into my inbox with people saying, you made me, listening to you is like listening to myself. And as as soon as I realised, Emma, you're nothing special, this anxiety lock that you're going through is not unique to you. I think it feeling so special is very dangerous. Yes. I think that maybe a lot of drug addicts and a lot of comedians mm. feel special and unique. 
And, you know, but I kind of know this to be true. Um, and once you get over feeling special and join the human race, you're in with a better chance. Yeah. But that was the thing. It was I was ashamed to talk about how I was feeling because I thought no one's going to understand and I'm going to sound like a mad person mm. and they are going to insist that I go to Arkham Asylum. I now realise I, I seem much madder when I'm powering through in denial, you know, like a sort of battery-operated toy with no soul <laughs> because I'm too scared to stop and think about what's actually happening. Are you a buckaroo then? Yeah. yeah. And fine, get- fine, 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 boom. And the other thing as well is that, you know, what with Instagram and social media, there is such a filter mm. in, you know, literal and metaphorical that people put on their lives so that you look at it and you think, oh, they're fine, they're fine, they're fine. Look at them, they're on holiday all the time or whatever. And, you know, it's just not true. I don't. I feel like I look at Instagram now and if someone puts up like a beautiful picture of themselves with like the sunset in the background, I'm like, bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're, you're clearly losing your mind, you know, your marriage is falling apart. I, I feel like there are a few people, this sounds so awful, but I look at certain people's Instagram feeds and I think, I look at them and I think, you're not in a good place. And I, and I feel like I can sort of, maybe I'm completely Maybe we're here. all, maybe we're developing a new language, which is, or a new skill, which is the ability to decode Instagram. Mm. Maybe we're kind of, you know, in the, the same way sense. you see people and you think. It's your superpower. You look at someone and you think, oh, you know, there's something about you that I don't trust. Maybe we're now able to do that, you know, when we look at people's social media feeds. But also the more perfection you're trying to throw out, the more, more you're hiding behind the perfection wall, the more you've got to hide, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that, to your point. Yeah. And I think that... Uh, the more that people show a little bit of unravelling or whatever, the more connection you have with them. Yeah, but then that's also turned into people doing very long posts about anxiety or depression and what have you, sorry, I just banged the mic. But then that can also lead to people being oversharing. But then I also think, if they're comfortable sharing it, certainly won't criticise it, but I definitely share, but there have been posts when I've nearly been, nearly crossed a line for me. Because it, it is toothpaste out of the tube, you can't get it back. No, mm. absolutely. And it doesn't always just involve them. No. But I think what um, the, the mid-op, what the mid-op does is it gives that voice, it gives that collective brain, <laughs> the, the hive brain, to say, A, your thoughts aren't unique and that's actually a great thing. Everything that you're thinking is absolutely fine. You're on track. And I think that's a thing that as we get older, we're... I don't have a mortgage, I don't have a boyfriend slash husband, I don't have children. And those are like signposts on the way to... Well, I don't know if you noticed, but one of the things that we said when we um, started the mid-adult was there would be no children on the mid-adult. Because, you know, they're they're lovely and they may be part of the landscape, but they can't be the point of the conversation for Mm. us. Because there are plenty of places that aggregate around kids. And first of all, if you have children, you know, it, it's easy, but it's kind of lazy. You know, we could sit and talk about, you know, toddlers or teenagers or any, whatever mm. anyone may or may not have for two hours, but you kind of leave with nothing for yourself. There's no nutrition in that for you. For you, mm. And again, kids can be quite isolating. And secondly, there are plenty of people who don't have them and who might, A, be bored by a, a kid-centric conversation or B, find it incredibly painful. Mm. I mean, I certainly got to a place where I couldn't um, look at pregnant women without feeling incredibly sort of hateful and resentful. I couldn't um, look at nappy, ad- nappy adverts, I had to turn them off. I couldn't walk through, you know, maternity departments because it just got too painful. And that's still very real for me. So I didn't want people to be stabbed every time they read mm. something that we had written or, or heard something that we said that was about babies again. Yeah. And where with me, I've never 
had the urge to have children. Mm. But what I've experienced is people telling me, well, you will, and also when you have them, you'll be up here with us. Mm. I'm like, piss off. I, yeah, yeah, I run my own business. Yeah, like you've yeah. never known love, the cult of parenthood. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I, I mean completely. And I think that um, all of those things, all of those judgments, all that, that, um, all that, that checklist that you're supposed to have been mm. given, um, that you have to fulfill in order to be what? Mm. You know, I, I think it's mad. And so, in order to get the prize, what prize? What, yeah. <laughs> There is no prize. And we, one of the reasons why we called it imperfect, I mean, many reasons, but we had a, um, a meeting a few, a year ago with a, a couple of girls who were in their late 20s. And they were, they just wanted to know what's the right time to, when is the right time to get married? When is the right time to... One of them used the phrase, which I found really chilling, self-perfecting. Oh! She said, I'm interested in self-perfecting. And I said, the problem you're going to be, ha- you're going to come across is extreme boringness <laughs> if that's how you approach life and also you are talking to the wrong people yeah however no flattering one. the lighting we're not perfect no oh my god <laughs> no more I mean, interested in being i mean you know we say this in the book that we think perfection really is for other people it's a very cruel mistress mm. it's chilly and it's unrealistic and we think that the next big trend for women is going to be imperfection not just dealing with it but actually advertising it mm. you know the texture that we all have and we say you know feelings may not be unique but people are unique so mm. all the different you know combinations of those feelings and how they kind of fuck with you mm. is always going to be compelling whereas shiny glossy perfection not so much well, I had Iskra Lawrence on this podcast who, I mean, she doesn't like the term, but to keep it neat, she is a size 16 model. She, um, I mean, she's stunning, but she talks about being perfectly imperfect. Mm. And I, I preferred that. I kind of like the direction that's heading into. And she's in her early 20s and she's communicating with people her age. And that's a really positive thing, I think, because I feel like what I definitely got from your book and when I log into the middle is... I feel as though I was given layers that I didn't necessarily want that I, how to behave, how to, what to have achieved by a certain date. And I feel like this community, because it is a forum based website and the book gives me permission to shed some of those layers that I don't need and have actually been holding me back. And I do feel like the, the truer version of me now exists. A lot of people might say that's just something that comes with age, but I do feel a lot of it also comes from speaking to people like you, either having you in my friendship circle or being able to go to your website or read your book. What people believe is that as you get older, you get number and there's a sort of dumbing down of feeling. Mm. Um, And that's just not true. You just get better at not acting out on it, Mm. but it's still all happening. You're still, you know, triggered every hour of every day. Um, so I think there's a there's a sort of there's there's a and I'd say there was an endemic cultural misunderstanding of women between the ages of about thirty and fifty, mm. and they really think that we're all going to be talking about argas and um, you know root touch-ups. I don't feel like my life is that much different from the way it was in my late twenties, and I some people might think that's really sad. But I really like my freedom, and yeah. I really, I, I really like that I can make decisions on the spot and on a whim. But even though my responsibilities have shifted, our responsibilities have shifted. My, my likes and my interests mm. haven't changed. So that's the thing. It's not like I suddenly interests. It's like when yes, people say hobbies. to you, when people say to you, so what are your hobbies? Do you remember on an old-fashioned CV at the bottom yes. it would say hobbies, <laughs> reading? <laughs> yes, I used to write cinema i mean fuck's sake that's just sitting with cinema. a packet of crisps on the sofa isn't it music that's just the radio in the car um, um you know co- netflix 
Yeah, my hobbies now are Netflix and dairy milk. I mean, I have, I, I, ha, I do have a yearning <laughs> to make, to do some pottery. And I've had this yearning for a couple of years. I've never acted on it, so maybe it's a, a fantasy rather than a yearning. yearning. No, it's not. It's the idea of making a thing. Yes. And I'm not very artistic, so everything's usually quite cat candy. But um, but I'd like to I'd like to Perfectly make I'd like to make a thing. Um, so yeah, so pottery is something I'd like to do. Do you have a fancy about what you might like to do? For we did make this. I was about to say you did make. We a made book. a book. That's a thing. That's that true. is a thing. Um, and you, you make a website and you write regularly. No, but they're not things. Do I have a secret fantasy hobby? No, but I quite like paddle boarding. She says. <laughs> she does. Is that where you stand on a surfboard? Yeah, and and, and I feel incredibly well. like like a warrior woman. Like I'm, oh, here I am. It's quite Moana, isn't yes, it? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Paddling the water. It's so great. And I forget the fact that I'm, you know, half naked. It's so weird, half naked standing up on this like surfboard thing with a stick. I want to say an oar. A big stick. A it big is an oar, isn't yeah, it? I think it is an oar. Um, it's probably called like a paddle or Oh, no, something. it would be a paddle, wouldn't it? It's right. clearly a paddle. I, oh, yeah. I don't understand the confusion. <laughs> it's clearly a paddle. Anyway, there you go. I like paddle boarding. It's, but I'm not going to do that in... Uh, Maybe I'll do that on the Thames. Can you paddleboard on the Thames? I feel like the Thames is filthy. I'd rather you didn't paddleboard on the Thames. <laughs> I swam in the Thames. I swam a mile for uh, for a junior diabetes charity in the Thames a couple of years ago. And they said, once you get out of the water, just drink a Coca-Cola, because that will just basically kill anything that, that has, uh, really? that has uh, entered into your system. Really? Yeah. Good bacteria and bad. Yeah. All gone. All gone. Crivens. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I, Crivens is the best word. Do you know what? Yes, yes. Sorry, oh, we don't usually talk about children, but but I'm trying to stop my very small one from saying, "Oh, for God's sake!" Oh, he's really tiny, and um, and so I'm wondering if he should go, "Oh man," or "Oh bother." But actually, if I can make him say, "Oh, oh Crivens," then I Crivens. figure I've won. Yeah, my it's it's a, a from Georgie Dawson, who you may know. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, friend of the show. Um, she uh, she said Crivens and she got Kendall Jenner to say it in the sense that I think she was around Kendall Jenner a lot and then Kendall on Instagram like said Crivens I understand and then Georgie had won forever Georgie had won Georgie had gone viral although you know Georgie didn't take any credit for it but yeah Crivens is a good one thanks for that I would suggest that on the website you have divided the sections yes. into body feelings sex and relationships behaviour 
listicles and directories. How did you figure out how, I mean, you're journalists. Oh well, we were trying to be much cleverer than that, and we even confused ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> so we thought, oh, we're gonna, it's, an, it's yet another opportunity to try and be witty, and it just all went really, Did really wrong. Did you start with three, and then you were like, oh, no, we need that? We kept adding. Also, quite a lot of them fit into every single one. <laughs> so it fits in body and listicle and in sex and relationship and in feelings. And anxiety, clearly. Because it's a tag, tag, directories, yeah. directories is the only one that's really clear. Directories we're really proud of, actually, because directories are very this is where the sort of journalism background came in because Emily um, was you know featured editor of the Evening Standard and I've written for everybody and um, were very well researched lists of very useful things that people might need so it might be top 20 divorce lawyers in the UK it might be top 20 handymen it might be curtain makers it might be garden people you know you know those mm. when you're constantly wanting word of mouth recommendations so we did some really you know we, we have someone amazing who did the legwork and they are incredibly useful the directories mm. so maybe the next book will just be directories I know whenever we put them together we slightly weep because when we put them out to the world we know that there'll somebody somewhere will will go oh I need a plumber oh the minute has plumbers and you know that that's because plum, plumbers are like you know the, the, you know the, the, the drug dealers of the, of the grown up <laughs> woman because you're constantly texting going you're nearly here how long ETA <laughs> also you're very also you're very you know you, you don't share your number the number go you can call him but yeah I've got a guy <laughs> T- yeah but you need to tell him that I am um, that I, I I recommended you well that's what happens yeah. just move from drugs to plumbing <laughs> <laughs> no I did like the fact that unwise I unwise to combine the two <laughs> although now you're making me wonder about plumbers who um do a bit of drug dealing on the side. Well, you know, I mean, I could, you know, that could, that, that might work. That's, you know, another, what do they call it? Revenue stream. I've got a, I've got, I've got a metric ton of grout in the back. No, it ain't. <laughs> <laughs> also, brilliant. Don't they always, don't, in films, don't they always hide the drugs in the loo? So. Oh, in the, yes, so so they, what's it called? Yeah. Is it called, I don't, is it called a cistern? Oh, yes. Don't, don't ask. The sellotape under the cistern. Zamo did that on Grange Hill. Yes, well, quite. Just say no. <laughs> elderly listeners of the podcast will remember that and by elderly I mean my age um, because yes that was the big campaign that was the defining moment for kind of because we grew up with Just Say No and the um, AIDS adverts yes oh my goodness I went on holiday I went on this camping trip which sounds improbable and it, it, it was improbable I'm still in shock um, there was a place to plug Recently. in there was a place to plug in a babyless big hair so it was fine um, no, like, as in three weeks ago. Yeah, as in three. And there were quite a lot of teenagers there, quite a lot of sort of 15 to 18-year-olds. And we realised, I don't know what we were talking about, that none of them knew what HIV was, which was an extraordinary sort of revelation. Like, how, how could they not know? They know about things like chlamydia and HPV, and but they did not know what it was. Or it was it was just... Because that was, you know, for, for if you were in your sort of late 30s or early 40s, then... That was the thing, wasn't it? That oh, was MTV adverts. Every music break, there yeah. would be, and it would be. It was the graveyard, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, there was and that the barbed one. wire. Was it John Hurt who did the voiceover? But then I was, I used to gorge on MTV, MTV Bait. Well, I don't think that was around VH1, and always, and it would be the ads, the public mm. service announcements ads of AIDS, uh, use condoms, and it was mm. don't share needles. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was really, and I, I find it really puzzling that people aren't as aware sexually active young yeah. people don't know it was a surprise anyway we gave them a really joyless lecture you'll be pleased to hear 
<laughs> and joyless lecture. Poor little things. While camping. You know, and they were probably, everyone was Carry probably, on camping. Yeah, and all the teachers going, oh, please stop, please don't say sex again. But interesting that they know about things like chlamydia and HPV. Yeah, they do. I mean, I guess that everything you know goes in you know trends, and also I and also Even HIV STIs. is livable with now. Whereas <laughs> yeah. we, whereas when we were growing up, it was just it was it was you know it was the death sentence. The death sentence. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry, I don't know how I quite managed to turn but the also, conversation to STD. I think teenage girls are immunised against HPV. They can be yeah. at thirteen. So, cripes. Well, safe sex, everyone. Crivens. Crivens. Cripes and crivens. Get your kid into cripes and crivens. That's the way forward. Um, so why was body? Because body is the first one on the website. Is that because it's alphabetical? No. Because it comes for anxiety, yeah. Well, anxiety, as you say, is the glue. But why but was, was the body topic so relevant because it is so tangled up in lots of anxieties and confidence issues? Well, yes, but it was also just as much about, like my lower back is killing me as it was like and I have back fat mm. you know because that there's that funny thing um where because I remember when I got you know when I got really really fit and and there is a thrill in doing up a mm. hot dress and zipping it up and thinking, oh I'm, you know this is great but there's also a thrill in the idea that you can tie your own shoelaces mm. when you're 70 mm-hmm. so you know we, you know so it was it was about all the and also it's about things like Emily having a bladder the size of a lentil <laughs> constantly needing to pee the pee maths so body wasn't just about the way that you look mm. and in fact it wasn't it was also about the way that you feel about you know about your body yeah and we talk a lot about micro injuries how we're basically permanently something's always hurting because we from paper cuts to stubbing our toes Mm. on the coffee table to you know shoulders in the gym or whatever but then there is also you know the secret mid-art behavior so you know things that we do when we look in the mirror which is you know wave your arms and watch your bingo wings flap in the breeze identify a new chin hair that wasn't there yesterday but it's now six inches long um you know i had a nightmare about um facial hair that had grown and i had not noticed because you know it takes the wrong kind of light and you can miss it and last night i had one that i could wrap around my fist like a hose (laughs) there is um, do you know about face app I do I want to know about FaceApp? Well, you can have a laugh with FaceApp because okay, you can. I'm going to show you a picture, which is maybe basically you can turn yourself into a man or you can give yourself a full beard, which I did last night. <laughs> so now, actually, oh I'm showing you're Emma really attractive. Emily. Can I just I say? I look like some sort of Russian Cossack. I well, look great with a full beard, which that. is a very good thing considering it looks like that's where I'm going. Um, no, you also look like one of those SAS, like if you were instructing on who dares wins on Channel 4, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm getting Russell Brand's cousin kind of vibes. Oh, I don't like that so much. Oh. But, um, but I'm going to show you these later, but, but FaceApp is very fun. You can turn yourself into a man. You can give yourself a Hollywood makeover. You can give yourself a beard. But um, but anyway, yes, so the body section was, it's it, you know, it's less about, you know, how do I get a thigh gap mm. and more about, um, you know, how I feel about my, you know, have I got a a, a bent bush because Mm. I got my wax done wrong and I'm now having sex and I feel a bit weird. So it's, you know, it's it's body but in the middle way. Mm. And I think one of the things about, you know, becoming, getting, the more grown up you get, the more um, the more things start to change quite rapidly. Mm. And, you know, and I think you get quite, you can be quite shocked. Mm. Like, I just can't get over, I have a hair on my back that appears every sort of three months. But also it's that thing about um, you think, gosh, I look tired today. And you realize you've been thinking that for nine months and maybe it's just your face now. Yes, yes, yes. And actually it's brutal. Getting old is brutal. It's hard. And like 
if you can find the things, if you can get to a place at this age where you actually appreciate your body, your face, whatever it is, for the other reasons, then you'll kind of, you'll navigate this a yeah, bit more Yeah, you're laying easily. some foundations yeah. down to, you know, your body being a beautiful thing because it works. And also we're at the age when we've got, you know, um, friends who are getting really sick mm. or friends who are dying. And so if you can just, you know, just feel happy because you know, your boobs might be sagging, but at least they seem to be, for today, healthy, mm. then it makes you feel better. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, to live in the fun, not the dysfunction. Yeah. Or put the fun into dysfunction, which is where we live, really. Yeah. Yes. And you've talked as well a lot about hormones, which I am very interested hormones in. Hormones basically rule my life. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've always been incre you know, incredibly premenstrual, which considering I'm quite angry anyway, imagine the road rage. But also, because everything shifts with your cycle a bit, and you know, mm. no one wants to talk about menopause because it's supposed to only happen to other people, but actually, it all starts to move around when you're in your, when you're in your late 30s. Mm -hmm. And really, we should all be getting our hormones tested because then you know your baseline. So yeah. if you come to want to take HRT or bioidentical hormones, you'll know what your body likes to tolerate. Yeah. Um, but um, so we talk about hormones a lot because also you know basically it turns me into Barbara Streisand at full moon. And I think also the idea, the idea that for you're about by the way, sixteen days a month now. <laughs> it does seem to be getting longer and longer. I know because I tell her she's how are you and I go oh Jesus, but my period's due in two days. She goes how your period's always due in two days. <laughs> when I the anxiety the depression for me I then went to go and see a hormone doctor I went to go and see my GP who obviously said there's nothing wrong obviously. here um, went to see a specialist who said there's an imbalance that we need to fix and it has helped in part but a lot of it has been about it's given me the energy back to be able to go to the gym testosterone mm. yeah Pro progesterone there was just a bit of imba imbalance massive um, to, uh, massively deficient in vitamin D as well which mm. is really significant but what I think is very interesting about what you say and I think everybody should do it is if you understand what is going on with your hormones and even the slightest little imbalance can make a difference but it also means if you understand now before you go into the menopause or hit perimenopause you can you can sail that sea quite smoothly yes because you've got a blueprint of what your sort of ideal hormones yeah. should look like and I have spoken to people who said I as soon as I thought I was having any sort of menopausal issues I went to the doctor and I didn't feel a thing and never had a hot flash nothing because I just put myself but under also that person's the thing care. is is that what it can do is deliver a power surge because you know it, rather than thinking oh god menopause terrible name men oh pause mm. and now my skeleton's going to crumble and I'm going to be unfuckable and it's all going to be an absolute disaster what it can do is release you from the tyranny of hormones doing whatever they want to do mm. every month mm. so actually I think it can be it can be amazing I mean you know I, I, I put it off I should go and see my you know I haven't had my hormones tested for two years and I should go along and I forget to rub in the creams and all of that I mean you know basically they're, they're kind of okay mm. but also it's not just biochemistry if you get a good doctor it might not just be what the levels say it's also how you feel so it's mm. someone who will take both things into account and oh, I think 100%. it's woeful how little we know about it given mm. let's say we've been having periods for like a thousand you know years it feels like that way anyway. I think and yes. um and you know and still you go oh why am I behaving like a mm. psychopath or why do I feel like crying all the time or why does everything hurt or whatever it is whatever however your symptoms work and then you all go, of the above yeah <laughs> and then you go oh yeah of course it's my period and you just think oh my god like every month this happens and we're still so we're somehow so 
trained to kind of not think about it, not but talk about it so much. Shame. I mean, yes, when exactly. Apple developed their, you know, on the iPhone, it has a, it, ha- it comes with a health app that's built in. Mm. In the first few iterations of that, there was nothing about menstrual cycles because, you know, because what? Because, because women weren't taken into account. That's why. It was it developed by a man? Of course. Obviously. So you know, and they sat there and they went, "Oh, you know, whatever." We've got all this covered: blood pressure. You know, how many steps a day? Cholesterol. Yeah. You know, and uh, yeah, tick, but tick, no- tick. But nothing about. And I think that that's the thing. You know, the more conversations that we can have about, you know, everything from periods yeah, to menopause. Yeah. Um, and I think actually, I think it's you know this. You know, it, it's you know it's easier now for women to talk about anxiety because they are less likely to be dismissed as the hysteric or mm. the neurotic. You know, because men get anxiety too now. Mm. So, you know, it's to do with, you know, the things that are happening, you know, in the, you know, hashtag me too. I love the fact that you have uh, talked about laughter and anxiety so much. But I also love the fact that, and I properly (laughs) (laughs) R-O-F-L'd, which was 40 is the new fuck off. Oh, yes. I love that. Good. Yeah. What was the old fuck off? Well, it was the idea was that it, the forty. The, re, the reason I did that was because it was the idea that forty is the new thirty. Mm. No, it isn't. If you think that, you can fuck off. <laughs> forty is just what it is. Mm. It's just you know we're growing up and we're living our lives, and I, I, then fifty is the new forty. You end up with this like like crazy impossible mathematical calculations. Mm, yes. Sort of age dysmorphic as well. Yeah, like, you are what you are. Yeah. I think that we're dealing with um, uh, the relic really of an artificial slicing up of generations that Mm. happened I think way back in the 60s I mean you might call it generation X Y you know whatever you know Z now I can't keep up with the different slices but really they're slicing it all up and we need to look at it in terms of mindset because there was a time when youth was an island and if you weren't on it you didn't know what they were doing but now there's the internet and we're all hyper connected and I can find out exactly what 18 year olds are interested in Mm. if I want to know but that also goes to the idea that you know you're either as a woman you're only allowed to be one thing so you you can be busy working mum or you can be, you know, deranged cougar. We can be tragic spinster. Actually, who are I don't know any of those women. Mm. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's like the Sex and the City slices. Are yes. you Carrie? Are you Miranda? Are you? Do you remember those endless quizzes? Yeah. Actually, I did the Hogwarts quiz last weekend to find out. And actually, I'm quite proud of this. Gryffindor. No, Slytherin. And I didn't think I was that Machiavellian. I just, I've got such a fucking resentment because I was Hufflepuff. Oh yeah. You were. Sorry, it's okay. at least you're not the it's other the one. It's the Pottermore Ravenclaw. thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. You were Ravenclaw. No, a Gryffindor. But I, I knew what to say. I mean, can <laughs> I just skew the response? Did you hack it? <laughs> I basically, like, I Sharon stoned the lie detector <laughs> test on the Hogsworth thing. But I mean, I'm basically Hogsworth. Voldemort. Hogwarts. Yes. But there's a lot to be said for... The, I wasn't agreeing with the he fact was clever. that Voldemort. Yeah, he was clever. Very clever. Yeah. That's not a bad quality. Oh, now you're being, you're so nice. You're trying to make me feel better about being Voldemort. Don't worry. I'm okay. There was no, but the thing is, is that Harry was, um, he said, not Slytherin, not Slytherin, not Slytherin. And the hat says, not Slytherin, eh? And suggested that he could have been good in Slytherin. Are you a Harry Potter fan? Yeah. I just don't remember that part, but I love that you do. Oh, I remember that part. Do you? Yes, because the whole point is that he speaks... The snake language, yes, very good. Oh, so he could have been. Yeah. Yeah. And the hat says, the hat goes by his request not to put him in Slytherin. The hat doesn't work like that in life, does it? He could do great things in Slytherin. Leslie Phillips, ding dong. Um, But yes, he could have been in Slytherin. Sorry about the Harry Potter thing. What would your Patronus be? Oh, I don't know. 
I would like it to be. <laughs> can you choose? I don't know. I, you can do a quiz, I'm sure. I'd want it to be either a bird of prey or. No, I'd want it to be an eagle, yeah. Yeah, eagle. Why not? Yeah. I think sure. I'd want it to be a bear. I would not mess with a bear, ever. But that's because that's just fantasy because I'm so I'm so easily messed with. <laughs> so I'd love my avatar to be or my Patronus to be something I could, I, so fearful. I, I could be your bear. You could actually. Yeah. You are. Yeah. Yeah. With there my beard. With my beard. <laughs> <laughs> Why did we get on to Harry Potter? Sorry. No, it's fine. I love. I've been to Harry Potter. Quizzes. World. I tell you how quizzes yes. about wh- who you were in Sex and the City. And the idea was, I guess, if you were promiscuous, you were Samantha. Mm. If you were uptight, if you were uptight, you were Charlotte. If you were, you know, sort of professional and, and and boring, you were Miranda. And we all wanted to be Carrie. But I have a big issue with this. Carrie is a complete and utter douchebag. Nowadays, <laughs> Miranda would be the protagonist. Yes. Twenty absolutely. years on, Miranda would be the central character. I agree, and her search for for everything, for all the things that she's looking for, I totally identify. And also, when Miranda cried, I cried. Yeah. But also, um, my only, I I didn't like Carrie at all. What an insufferable, awful succubus of a friend. I mean, (laughs) awful, awful, awful. But my biggest, my biggest bugbear with Sex in the City is it's basically the Golden Girls, which is far superior. Oh, I love, thank you for being a friend. We love the Golden Girls. I know. Dorothy's born out. Yeah. I mean, just, uh, I love, I love, I can now back to sing the theme tune, which you really don't want me to do, actually, because I can neither sing or... But she does like to sing. <laughs> Do you now? Oh, you should join our karaoke club. Yes, please. I've yes. never done karaoke. Do you have one? Yeah. Okay, so how does that work? Is it in your house or do you go to a place? Oh, no, no. It's nights out, margaritas, guacamole and uh, tortilla chips. What's your and signature tune? Well, it would be um, Formation from Beyonce Lemonade, but you can't get it in karaoke so what is establishment. It? So it has to be like Madonna Borderline. Oh, that's oh, a good very one. good. Okay. Yeah. Or Pat Benatar. What, Love is a Battlefield? Love is a Battlefield or Heartbreaker. <laughs> I would like I would like to sing <laughs> I'm Telling You I'm Not Going by Dreamgirls, <gasps> but nobody wants to hear that. Oh, can you, do you have the range? Of course not. <laughs> I, I, do you have the range? I love you. I love you. You're basically my best friend now. Sorry. <laughs> I have no range. Oh, I mean, I can lip sync it like a mother. Oh. I really can do a good job on that. Your car karaoke on on that one. It's like my favourite thing. Yeah, oh, her voice is incredible. I went to go and see Dreamgirls recently. Didn't enjoy it as a whole thing, but that song is amazing. The <laughs> film or theatre you went to? Theatre, theatre. Can't do theatre. Why not? Many, okay, here I go. I want to know. I want um, to know. First of all, because I don't like the middle class self-satisfaction of it, that people are there and they howl with mirth at a joke that in real life might make your mouth twitch a bit, but probably wouldn't. I don't like being trapped in a big fire trap where I will constantly need to pee and I can't get out and we'd all burn like little buns. Um, there's nothing I like about theatre. You can keep it. Also, 7.30 start. Like, who can get anywhere for 7.30? Well, it either has to be... A, it should really be a 6 o'clock start. So <laughs> you can be in bed by 10. <laughs> I like to be either I yeah, so basically I like to be in bed by ten except for about twice a month when I'll do like a two AM. Right. Are you somebody who when you get into bed that's it, like sleep? 
when I get better, well, that's it. The demons arrive. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's who I am. The demons arrive and they say, um, you will never have any money. You will never have sex again. You've always been a fraud. Why didn't you buy that house when you could have done? Um, you're probably dying. And maybe that would be best. Yes, the that's thing, what happens. But that's Glad the, you asked. Emma. No, no, no. No, I was curious about whether you fell asleep immediately or whether you yes, read. Yes, I pass out immediately and then wake up about three hours later. Yeah, um, That's... That's to do, interestingly, you can break that cycle with changing the time of day in which you, at which you eat. Do you believe that? I do, actually. Because what? I do think the gut is the second brain. It's to do with, there's a spike in cortisol earlier than there should be because, um, oh gosh, I'm going to forget the actual science of it now, but I, for the most part, do intermittent fasting which is 16, 16 hours, 16, eight. And if I eat between 12 and eight and I stop eating at eight, I can guarantee that within two, two days, I am sleeping solidly. Because I'm not, because I, I don't do the greys at like 10 o'clock or have a cup of tea. And then that doesn't force my, it's something to do with the cortisol wakes you up earlier than it should. And so your body goes, oh, I must be worried, but it actually could be to do with the cortisol coming into your bloodstream too early. It should be coming in at six o'clock to wake you up. But it, it comes too early. It comes at three or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think gut health is completely compelling if I sort of had the concentration to really study it properly. Every I've had a couple of nutritionists on this show and it's and I actually when I came back from that holiday and I was a complete mess, I went to a nutritionist, a Chinese doctor, a TCM and various other things and I had my gut analysed, which involved three days of unpleasantness, but yes. there we go. And it was rev it was a complete revelation and, so and it explained how has it changed what have you changed in your diet or you know, as a result? Short uh, to cut a long story short, it revealed that there there are three particular types of bacteria that you produce in the gut that uh, produce serotonin, which is and ninety five percent of your serotonin is produced in the gut. And I didn't have any evidence of growth or presence of two of them. Ah, oh, okay. And so I did, um, it was with a nutritionist who's been on this podcast called Eve Kalinic. I've heard very, yeah, yeah, she's supposed to be amazing. And I did two weeks of eating very simply and taking various, um, I want to say herbs, but they're, they're more, uh, they're punchier than that. And then I did two weeks of reintroducing and taking a different set of things. And literally, I had 18 months of not of basically not going to the loo properly at all and literally after those four weeks like clockwork mm. every morning and the sleep or was sleep not your problem sleep has always been a bit of a problem I had a bit of a um, bother with it last week but again if I just go 16 8 boom two, two days and does that mean you don't eat before 12 and don't eat after 8 yep you remember I did it for a bit yeah and it's much easier when you than you think once you get into it but if your hormones come in and you wake up and the first thing you think is croissant. It's really hard to make it to 12. And that's the problem. It, hormones, I don't think, I'm, I've spoke to speak to my brother about this sometimes. He can stick to anything. And I'm like, you don't understand. You don't understand that feeling. I always think of croissant. Mm. Yeah, hormones are, you know, the great saboteur really, aren't they? Mm. The other one. Yeah. It's like the other you. And in she comes <laughs> and just, you know, starts throwing things, shouting at people. Although we call your... Uh, Roger. <laughs> it's my premature alter ego, Roger. <laughs> Roger is in the building. Yeah. There's a story I can't bother to tell you, but, ro but ro Roger. Roger. Yeah. No, at Karaoke Club. Man Hi, Roger. Yeah. <laughs> Love Karaoke Club. Oh, well, you know who the chairwoman is? Who? It's Baggett. 
Nadine Baggett. She's a dark horse. What's her signature tune? Oh, well, she always does. Is she a rapper? Yes, she is. I was saying that as a joke. She's actually. <laughs> no, no, a she is. She's a, she she loves a bit of Beyonce, but she can. She's also she's a good rapper. She loves rap music. Every time I go around to her house, I'm like, are the people next door playing music? She's like, no, I've got lemonade on upstairs. <laughs> she because she's so young. Honestly, that's why she she and I get on is because we're both children. We're both quite. There's a part of us that's still the 17 year old at school who's trying. Who's listening to the music to impress the boy that we like yeah. but I think that's good and I think that's brilliant like, I want to be like that too mm. I, I just keep I don't I, I, I just do not want to be a grown up in the way that we thought yes grown ups were well that's still if, you know if you were then we'd all be sitting here you know in yes button up cardigans and sensible shoes yeah and, I do not yeah. want to be Ferris Bueller's parents do you know what I mean you know we, you, we would have been extinguished by this yeah. age and oh, you know true. what you and I would have done by now what would have cut, cut our hairs and cut our hair into cut bobs. our hairs cut our we would have cut our hairs <laughs> I've already I've already but I've done the bob I do the mum bob that was it was a depressing but true <laughs> yeah I remember I remember being told I'm sure reading somewhere as a, as a kid that you couldn't have long hair over 30 yeah. I think it was I remember it was over 14. Do you remember in Neighbours there was a character, I don't know if she's still in it, called Susan Kennedy, who had really gorgeous, long brown hair, and she's married to Dr. Kennedy. And like they had a... I remember, she had black hair. Yeah, yeah. they had their hair hiatus, and she came back, and she had had it cut really short. And it was a... An Mum hair. Yeah, it was an yeah. indicator of, oh, she, she was too old for long hair. Yeah. What poppycock? I know. Crivens. <laughs> Just testing. <laughs> but I like the idea of... Because midlife crisis is something perhaps we've uh, previously been scared of or expected or I wonder what my well, midlife we, crisis we, we is don't, Well, we don't think about it in terms of midlife crisis. We think about it in terms of many, many crossroads rather than crises. Mm. You know how your day has these little granular crossroads that happen you know, constantly and different paths and choices you can take and different things mm. that happen with your mood. It doesn't necessarily have to be a macro crisis. Mm-hmm. It can be all the little micro ingredients that, mm. you know, that lead you in, in various directions. But I like the, the sense I get from the book and from the site is that all of these crossroads are fine, acceptable, and again, they're bookmarking you on the right path. Yeah, and we're all having them. Mm. And it's okay to be not okay. Yeah. In fact, that's kind of more interesting. And it's, and it's interesting at that dinner party where you said, actually, I'm really anxious, I'm not sleeping, and I'm worried about death. Everyone had their own version of that. Yeah. And so, so, and so what happened is, you know, is, is, you know as, as Emily was saying, then you... You know, then you kind of connect, mm. and you know we're you know if you know if you're if you're so thirty or forty five, then you're part of the generation that kind of moved from analog into digital. Mm. So we still, you know, we still we we grew up with that connection, mm. where you know you would get home from school and you'd call the girl you'd been with all day and talk to her for four hours in the evening. And your parents would go, I don't understand. Yeah. Um, but you know, we still we still need that. And the thing about social media is that you know we love it and we love you know Instagram and we love Snapchat. And we make very cute bunnies with garlands on our heads. But <laughs> it is curated lies. Yeah. People are showing you what they want you to mm. see, and it you know so. Um, so I, I think the other thing is that the more we share about it, the more you know. I was at something the other day and I said, "How are you?" And mm, my friend said. You know, I don't really feel validated at work and I've got a chest infection and I feel, you know, pretty shit. And I was like, you know, she's like, how are you? And I said, my therapist has gone away for six weeks to Peru, but, you know, I think I'm going to be okay. And we had this amazing moment where we actually said, we mm-hmm. told each other exactly how we were at that point. Mm. We're becoming more literate in feelings. Well, also it's remembering that, you know, you know, that how are you is a question. Mm. 
you know, you can choose whether or not to answer it. There yeah. are certain people you don't want to unburden yourself on. I like the fact that Bryony Gordon starts her podcast, um, Mad World, with how are you? And it's mm. not it's not superficial, it's how are mm. you? Mm. You know, it's it's what it's what they call checking in with yourself. So mm. it's really a question we should be asking ourselves every now and again. I try and do it in the bath. I just try and sit down and think. Because I'm so turbocharged, mm. um, I try to when when I just I just try to go. Well, I wonder how I'm feeling because I find it really hard to know. How do you know if you find it hard to know? Because I'm exactly the same. I when well, I'm just still for a second. And I just think I just sort of think about how the day's gone, and quite often I don't know. Mm. Um, and it's funny to be in your 40s and never really have any idea how you're feeling mm. because it's also scary. But um, I get Annabelle to tell me. I <laughs> <laughs> she says, you're hungry and you need to go to the loo, basically. <laughs> yes, and please make an appointment with XYZ. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Sad but true. I think I used to, I don't know if you have experience of this, of waiting for somebody to say to you oh I think you might be a bit happy or I think you might be a bit down and then I would lean into that feeling to use a self-help phrase um, whereas I think again and it comes out in the book it's but often when people tell you how, how you're feeling they're telling you how they're feeling so you have to be careful not to mistake information about someone else for information about you you know if it's someone you completely trust who knows you very well who says do you know I think you're running on empty and I think you're a bit anxious be careful that's fine mm. but you know those awful conversations people go are you alright because you seem a bit tense mm. and actually you're fine but now you're not alright because right. so I, 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 I think you know careful who you listen to mm. and also don't believe everything you think that's one when I read yeah. that I was like oh because yeah. the reality that the brain creates is really and again coming back to I'm absolutely fine Every single thought that you can try and convince yourself is true is kind of on these pages. And you you take the sting out of it, you take the bleakness out of it, and you sort of shove a rainbow in there. And even when you're talking about, is that thing cancer, is that thing, is, you know, the death talk, it's, it's um, there's like a silver thread through it now, and it's not as terrifying. Maybe it's because we know that everyone else is thinking it as well. And also because this stuff, the bleak stuff is funny. You know, that's the thing. It's, you know, it's really, really funny. Even in, you know, slapstick comedy, if someone slips on a banana skin and it doesn't hurt, it's not funny. Mm. You, know, the, 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 you know, the comedy is in the pain. So and we're all feeling it. We're all slightly sweating over it. Mm. Um, so, you know, why not have a laugh about it? I think so. And it just makes it less of a, a bothersome thing. Mm. And it makes it less heavy. And as soon as, soon as you open... The, intern, the internal saboteur, as soon as you kind of open the curtains and let the sunlight in they do tend to do a Dracula and just kind of not disappear but become less powerful yeah I completely agree you know it's very easy to walk around feeling as though you're carrying something very very heavy mm. so um, if listeners are um, thinking I feel like I'm a mid-alt <laughs> I feel like I need to to absorb more of what Annabelle and Emily have to say where can they go well, they can go to themidart.com, mm -hmm. they can go to themidart on Instagram, and they can buy I'm Absolutely Fine, a manual for imperfect women. And the link to all of those things, listeners, is obviously going to be in the show notes. Um, I've had a lot of fun. This has felt like free therapy, though. Thanks for having us, Emma. <laughs> Loved it. Good. Do you need the loo? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show, listeners. As I said, all of the links will be in the show notes. And if you want to follow us, um, well, I'm at Emma Guns. Annabelle, you are? 
at Annabelle Rifkin at Emily McMeekin and um, we will hope to see you on the next one Thank you so much for listening. But before you go, before you go buying, I'm absolutely fine because I know that you probably want to right now. Why not get in touch? Drop me an email at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com or slip into my DMs on Instagram and Twitter where I'm at Emma Guns. You can also join the private Facebook group for the podcast, which is very busy and lovely and a very safe space, which uh, the, li- the, the link to join is in the show notes um, on Apple Podcasts, Acast, wherever it is that you might be listening, streaming, downloading this particular episode. And obviously, while you're there, I would think it would be a rather lovely idea to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you feel so inclined, I would be so delighted if you could maybe leave a, a little review and a five-star rating for the show. It makes such a difference for a show like mine to stand out on these massive, massive podcast platforms. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back next week with another fabulous guest, and I will see you on the next one. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.